This week on episode 498 of Priority One, we trek out what Spiner has to say about a TNG reboot. A new book featuring Cristobal Rios is on the horizon. We've learned what the next event in Star Trek Online is slated to be. And Dr. Robert Hurt reports on Perseverance. You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 498 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, February 23rd, 2021, and available for download or streaming on Friday, February 26th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Tony. And still trapped in Ruapenthe because they forgot their secret transponder is Cat. But filling in this week is our emergency host hologram, Anthony. Great to be back again this week. Please state the nature of the host emergency. This week, we want to welcome new listeners to the show and hope you'll stay in touch. Given that we're a podcast built by a community of Star Trek fans, it's important that we also hear your opinions. Be sure to follow us on places like Twitter and Facebook, where we post weekly community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favorite app and you will find us. Or you can email us. Reach out to us at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. And as Tony said, this is in fact a community podcast produced by a team of volunteers that dedicate their time and talents each and every week. From our audio editors, to our writers, to us, our hosts, to me, the Cuban overlord! <laughs> I don't get paid! We come together each week because we are passionate about the Star Trek multiverse, because we're passionate about podcasting, and because we're passionate about you. And like any platonic passion project, it's hard to keep running things at no cost. So, if you find value in this production and want to help us continue to grow, check us out at our Patreon page. There, you can become a patron for as little as $1 a month. But we understand that financial contributions might be tough right now. Which is why our door is always open to other passionate Trekkies who might be interested in joining our team. From audio or video editors to artists to hosting, that's right, the hunt's on for a new voice to join our team. So if you've got a lot to say about Star Trek, we encourage you to visit our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com, and click on the Join the Team link at the top. There you'll find a description of available positions you can contribute to. That's right, Captains. The hunt is still on because we are looking to elevate voices, particularly voices of color or other marginalized groups in the community who also have a passion for Star Trek. Yo no quiero ser el único latino que tiene un podcast de Star Trek. So, if you are interested, please consider applying today at PriorityOnePodcast.com and click on the Join the Team link like Tony said. Now, let's check out all the latest news from the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's check it out. Brent Spiner recently sat down with Sci-Fi Wire once again to discuss a plethora of things, from his upcoming book, fan fiction, a mem noir inspired by true events, 
to what tips he would give to Sir Patrick Stewart on portraying an android in season two of Star Trek Picard. Amongst the many topics touched upon was one in particular, which will undoubtedly provide some Trek trivia fodder. It turns out that before Spiner suggested that he play Dr. Noonien Sung, Data's creator, a different actor had already been cast in the role. K.I. Luke was set to play the part originally. Having a role in the original series episode, Whom Gods Destroy, Luke is most well known as Master Po from the Kung Fu TV series in the 1970s and as the shop owner who cares for Gizmo in the Gremlins movies. Spiner was unaware that an actor had already been cast and tried to rescind his suggestion afterwards. But the creative team decided to have Spiner play the part and begin building the impressive list of characters and personalities that Spiner would ultimately play. And which of those characters is his favorite to play? Quote, I always liked playing Lore because Lore is really more like me than any of the other characters I've played because I'm evil, end quote. Spiner also credits Michael Westmore with helping him create the character of Nudian Sung. Talking about the Sung makeup, Spiner said, quote, when we put it on me and I looked in the mirror, I knew exactly how to play the part. I owe him a lot because I think we collaborated on that, end quote. Later on in the interview, Spiner was asked about the future of Star Trek. In addition to enjoying the recent Star Trek movies, Spiner said, quote, I think that sooner or later, they're going to do a reboot, a motion picture version of The Next Generation, and cast some young guys in our parts, end quote. For the full interview, check out our show notes. There was a bold prediction he made in this. Uh, he says that he thinks when Space Force sends out its first big ship, they're going to call it Enterprise. I mean, isn't that a given? Start your clocks, ladies and gentlemen. We have to see if that prediction comes true. No, that's not necessarily a given because I don't think Enterprise, the shuttle, ever made it to space. Well, no, it was a test vehicle, but it was the first version of that vessel built. Right, but he's saying the first ship to actually do something will be called Enterprise. Well, first big ship. I mean, big leaves some wiggle room. They can name their first ship, you know, XYZ PDQ if they want to. An X01. Ha ha! Yeah, so, you know, I'm a huge Trek trivia nerd, and I thought it was really crazy that there was actually an actor cast to play Noonien Sung before Brent Spiner was, was in the role. I agree. That was surprising. It surprised me. But what really excites me most about what he talked about is the potential for a next generation reboot because i firmly believe that if if they do another kelvin film and it's successful which i think i I have confidence that if they did another one it would be probably the best one out of the four um that it could potentially lead to a tng kelvin film and i think i personally would love to see that I would love to see them recast everyone in that universe and and give it a go and see what they can do in a, in a feature film. Doesn't that excite you guys? Not in the slightest. No, not at all. I, I would like to see them use the fourth Kelvin film to close off the Kelvin universe. Somehow. Yes, 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 yes. I think that um, we don't need to reboot things in order to inject new life. Or in order to get creative, I think of Rogue One. Rogue One is a really good example of them telling a prequel story that doesn't revolve around, you know, characters people grew up with and still can tell a compelling story. I'm not you, Han Solo. Not you. 
Uh, I just watched that. I liked that. I liked. I Solo. enjoyed it. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't terrible, but it definitely was not a Rogue One. It was. Well, not this a Rogue goes one. to the Star Trek. This goes to the Star Trek thing. If you you have to set your expectations for those type of prequel movies, like it, like for Solo, they didn't sell it right. Solo is a heist movie. If you sell it as a heist movie, it totally works. But if you're selling it as a Star Wars adventure, it doesn't. That's why if you want to reboot Star Trek Next Generation, you have to decide what kind of movie it is. The Star Trek reboot movies were clearly popcorn munching action adventure type things. If they want to do that with Next Generation. They got to make sure everybody knows that's what they're going for again. Look, if there's one bridge or starship in the entire prime Star Trek universe that deserves lens flares, it's the Enterprise D. Lots of reflective surfaces. I'm telling you, it looks like a mall. Well, that leads us to our first community question this week. If there was a feature film reboot of The Next Generation, who would you cast as Data? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at Priority1Podcast.com or by replying to our community question post, on our social media channels like Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I would say it doesn't need recasting. It just needs a little better budget in the de-aging department. A fan did the de-aging themselves. And like deep faking, like doing a deep fake of it? Deep faking, yeah, deep faking Picard, and it's better than what Picard actually did. They almost always look better when people with unlimited time and no job and no hobbies. Ah, uh, don't go, don't and say that, Anthony. Point that's, zero that's zero zero one percent of the resources. Exactly, exactly, Tony. Point zero zero percent of the resources, yes. So great job on the creative minds behind that, and hopefully we'll see better de-aging later. Well, speaking of expectations and Han Solos, uh, if you were a fan of Spanish Han Solo, I mean Cristobal Rios, captain of La Sirena, then you might want to mark your calendars for August 17th. New York Times bestseller John Jackson Miller is taking you on a spicy adventure featuring your favorite tall, dark Spanish drink of water. Based on events occurring prior to meeting Picard and taking on the synth plot to rid the galaxy of all organic life, Miller's book Rogue Elements takes on adventures with, quote, exotic lovers and locales, as well as dangers galore, and Rios learns the hard way that good crew members are hard to find, end quote. So it's a romance novel. I am so weary about this book. The more you read up on the synopsis of this book, the more insulted I get. Now, hold on. Romance novels are a respected genre with large number of fans and, and a great following. It's about time there was a Star Trek romance book. Because remember the the prior entry into the romance category? Do we all remember what the prior entry into the romance category was for Star Trek? For Star on the Trek? TV show? No. 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 What are you talking about? Dr. Crusher's Magic Candle Show. Ah. Uh, <laughs> okay. Right. So if this is their attempt to try to like do that a little better i'm okay i'm okay with that and they're being blatant about it they're selling it a good a good crew member is hard to find if you know what i mean i'll open the double entendre there i mean it, it's a romance novel that's fine go for it see what happens i don't know to me the description here sounds like star trek james bond not, no, not exotic, exotic lovers, lovers and locales, as well yeah. as dangers galore. You gotta read the whole thing about the book. Quote, Starfleet was everything to Cristobal de Rios, until one horrible, inexplicable day when it all went wrong. Uh, let's see, there was another part of this, hold on. But solitude isn't in the cards for the captain of La Sirena, who falls into debt to a roving gang of hoodlums from a planet whose society is based on Prohibition-era Earth. End quote. You know, it just look. Here's are the they thing. going is, back to? Well, well, oh my time gosh! Out. Are they going back to the to the Ionians? It doesn't. It doesn't specify. It doesn't specify here. The Ionians. Excuse me, not the Ionians. The Ionians. Perhaps, perhaps they are trying to 
create a Han Solo character for us here in Star Trek through Cristobal Rios. Oh, which, romance, you Han know Solo. what? I mean, sure, that's cool and all, whatever. Um, I'm just, I'm a little weary about a white writer writing a Spanish character. I, I mean, I've, I've had, I've had troubles with that before. And if this guy doesn't do his research, then this is just going to be a caricature of a Latino character. And I, I don't, I'm not really looking forward to that. I'm reserving judgment until I read the book, but I am cautiously pessimistic. Pessimistic. Yes. <laughs> Uh, do they have the cover? Have they got the cover designed for it? They do have the cover designed to it, yes. Oh, tell me. Tell me his shirt's open to his navel. Tell me his shirt's it's, open to his no, navel. No, but it's pretty far. It's like right here. It's like right. It's like. Okay, just enough, to, just enough for him to like hang a medal. Like, just you know, enough like to see the, 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 just to see the hot fuzz. <laughs> That's fantastic. It just the, the description is feels dirty to me. It just exotically. It's a romance. That's fine. That's fine. And that's fine. That's fine. That's I don't. It, that's not what bothers me about it. What bothers me is that if it becomes some stereotypical adaptation of what Latino got, culture is and what a, a what a Latino man is. He is nothing but love and and let's let's do a. I want to make a uh, Ricardo Montalban in a book. Let's do that. I mean, love boat on La Sirena. Look at this from the other from the other side. You know, you know how big slash fiction has been. I mean, Star Trek created the slash fiction genre, right? It, they're overdue for a romance character. I'm telling you, they're overdue for Star Trek romance characters. This could be huge. It's not the romance that bothers me, Tony. I hope and I want this guy to do research. I hope that he doesn't just create a caricature of a Latino character. That's my concern. That's it. It's going to be a caricature of a romance novel leading for if one of the descriptions say he sits back and lights a cigar as he looks upon her, her or his, or there'll be some heaving, curves, there'll be some bosoms, yeah, exactly, some heaving bo- green bosoms. I just ah. <laughs> well, captains, that's all the news we have for Trek It Out this week. Now let's see what's happening in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. High score. The 11th anniversary celebrations are over, Captains. So now, it's obviously time for another grind. As first seen in an unintended 10-forward stream leak, the next Stowe event is a three-week Voth Advanced reprise from February 25th to March 18th, probably following the daily TFO for 14 days format. Players can earn Molar's Flaming Sword by completing either the Breach or Storming the Spire daily during the event. This round of the Voth Advanced also starts off the third of Stowe's popular event campaigns. But will it be worth the fatigue this time around? The grand prize for 2021 is either 1500 Lobi, a Tier 6 Zen Store ship, or a premium T6 Starship choice. So I'd say yes. Yes, it is worth it. Read more about the event in our show notes. 1500 Lobi, that's that's not terrible. And I'm I'm with Panda on this one. I don't mind the breach. I I like the breach. I've yeah, missed it's it. Not, yeah, yeah. The breach is fun, and I you know not to be understated, but the premium T6 Starship choice is going to include all of the Infinity promos and Infinity Lockbox ships. So this is the first time you'll be able to get any of those ships outside of that pack. Are we of, sure about that? That they're yeah. not going to. 
gate that somehow? What do you mean? Like block that you can't use the infinity ships? That you can't get the infinity ships with this token? No, that's what these are for. Oh. That's what oh. these premium T6 starships are, is the ones from the infinity infinity packs and the, the infinity promo packs and the infinity lockbox pack. Oh, that's cool. It's like you get one and it says that it unlocks, the ship you choose unlocks for all your characters. Oh, Can bad. I get the cool the tier six constitution on this one? Yep. Enterprise A? Yep. I'm in. Wow, that's not bad at all. Enterprise J. Boo. I mean, I already have it, but... And there are some items in the Lobby store that are kind of worth, you know, also if you want to invest in that. Because, like, Lobby... The thing about the, the Lobby store is that unless you buy lockboxes and open them up, there's really no other way to earn Lobby, right? There's no other way that you can do it. Whereas with the ships, you can buy them, right? You can either buy them on the exchange or you can get them through the lockbox. If you're lucky, you can buy them on the exchange. Just You can control the money there a little easier. But, or on the C-Store directly, but at least with the low buy, you know you're going to get that lump sum and then purchase whatever premium item you may not already have. People can buy the ship from the low buy store and then sell it on the exchange. Yep. You can do that too. You can do that too. Like some items are not, are, are locked, right? There's, there are some items that once you buy off the lobby store, you cannot resell or trade, right? Like ground items or trades or things or... Uh, costumes. Yeah. Costumes, right. Those, the ships, those are things are locked. Yeah. The ships, the ships you can trade though. Ships, the ships will go on the exchange, as long as they're still in the box. I'm in. I mean, if I can get my Enterprise A this way, then yeah, I'll do it. Oh, Matt in the chat is saying that the lockbox ship option is per character, not account. So I, the way I read it is that the ship you pick is unlocked. No, he's wrong. It is per account. It's per account. He's wrong. He said, wait, no, I'm wrong. It is per account. Oh, okay. Well, captains, in an effort to lend a hand to new players or even surprise the most veteran captains in Star Trek Online, here's our top tip. Bridge crew. Even if they aren't doing kickflips all the time, they're an essential part of any Star Trek story. They tap consoles, they tap each other, and they help the audience tap into each show's heart and history. And sometimes we even learn their names. Although maybe it takes until season two to get there. In Star Trek Online, your bridge crew serves another purpose beyond away parties and eye candy. As your species, career, and lockbox luck gives you stat-improving traits, boff traits improve your captainly effectiveness too. Some are useful in very, very specific situations. For example, Nell in Exile. He gets knocked down. He gets up again. You're never gonna keep him down. That might not sound useful to your phaser-basted corpse, but uh, Team Medicu isn't one and done isn't necessarily a bad idea. However, the most highly prized boffs offer traits for space, combat, and ground. Everyone, not just DPS chasers and PvPers, should look around their bridge and ask if they're truly getting peak performance. Space traits won't make or break builds, but don't leave weapon crit bonuses and hull regen buffs on the ready room table. We asked... Well, okay, we solicited... Okay, we pestered the P1 production crew to share space buff traits they prefer on their builds. We'll discuss a few here for your listening pleasure with the full list in the show notes. So I haven't done research on buffs and their traits since, I don't know, the the great DPS. Since Fleet Star bases were cool? No, no, I'd say maybe four years ago during the big... The big DPS push where everybody was, oh, let's get the DPS, the DPS, it's got to be high. So I have not steered away from having at least one human that has the leadership trait and at least two Romulan officers with the uh, superior Romulan operative traits. I believe that applies towards the Ox to Bat build, and I think that's what I'm, I currently play with is an Ox to Bat build. Tony and I agree on something. I know. Shocking. Who? Oh, right. Anthony. You're also Tony. 
Legacy Tony and new Tony. Only to my friends, oh. Tony. Oh. So, yeah, Anthony and I agree on something here. Uh, we, we both agree that efficient is the way to go. I've had an all-Saurian bridge crew for... Oh, I, I take that back. I have four Saurians and a uh, uh, Robbie. So, yeah, that, 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 that efficient space trait gives you that uh, power bonus. So, I enjoy And it. that's, for, for me, the reason why I picked that one is because it's a little easier to get than some of these other ones. It's not as specific to a, you know, uh, a species or... And it's always good. A reputation. It's good all around for almost any build. You can't go wrong. And it's great to have as a fill-in if until you can get, you know, one of these other ones or if you haven't quite decided what your build is going to be specifically, so. And I switch starships all the time. And so I just want, I, just, I don't want to think about it. I just want to drop, drop, drop them in. And Panda, who wrote this, uh, his favorite is the Kantari Ferocity, which essentially stacks damage bonus as you kill enemies. Jake's like superior Romulan operative. I was just always, I was, I remember in my theory crafting development of my character was that really the, the, the goal that you should be trying to go for is crit chance and crit severity. Everything else is kind of not as important. That's what I remember. And that could have changed. I'm not about to go down that rabbit hole again because I almost quit the game. So like permanently. <laughs> Kat's favorite is uh, Space Warfare Specialist, which gives you a plus five to Starship defensive maneuvers, Starship weapon accuracy, Starship weapon specialization, and Starship weapon amplification. So that's also a good one if you're doing something with a lot of weapons and you need to, you know, be defensive at times. That leads us to our second community question this week. What bridge officer traits do you rely on for your builds? And finally, in other Star Trek gaming news. Over in the mobile world of Star Trek gaming, Star Trek Timelines has added a new feature to help players retrieve specific crew members for their collections. Timelines is a game where you collect crew members from all the various timelines and time periods of Star Trek, assemble them on a team, and battle against mission requirements. It's pretty much Star Trek Pokemon. There are several rarities of crew members, and it can sometimes be frustrating trying to collect that one specific character you need to complete your collections. Well, Tilting Point, the relatively new owners of Star Trek Timelines, has released a helpful yet somewhat complicated new system. The Crew Retrieval System. The scan feature, which is not new, is used to gain random items throughout the day. Scans were free every three hours. Well now, scans cost a new type of currency called ISM, or Interstellar Medium. And each scan result not only grants you a random item, but also gives you a chance to gain a constellation. Every time you scan without gaining a constellation, the chance you'll get one on the next scan increases. So. What do you do with constellations? Well, using more ISM, you can open constellations, which will grant you pull stars. And what's a pull star, you ask? Well, a pull star gives you the ability to narrow down a single variable to reduce the pool of crew members from which you're trying to retrieve. Everybody got that? These variables can be a skill, a trait, or a rarity. Once you've set up to four pull stars, you can then spend credits and, you guessed it, another new type of currency called quantum to retrieve your crew member. If you've narrowed it down enough, it might not even be a random pull. For example, let's say you're looking for Grand Nagus Rom. He's a five-star rarity and has the traits Ferengi, Diplomat, 
politician, and has the skills commander, diplomacy, and engineer. So you could use one pole star for the rating five star, a pole star for the Ferengi trait, one for the politician trait, and one for the engineer skill. That will hopefully narrow down the pool to just Grand Nagus Rom. Then spend your credits in quantums and see what you get. When a pole star is pulled from a constellation, it already has a specific attribute, either a specific rarity, trait, or skill. So you'll need to find the right ones if you're looking to zone in on that specific crew member. Star Trek Timelines is available in the Google Play Store, Apple App Store, Steam, Facebook, and Windows App Store. Now let's look up to the Red Planet and find out a little bit about Perseverance with our science advisor, Dr. Robert Hurd. Space. Astronomy, quantum mechanics. It's not theoretical, it's not hypothetical, it's real. Education. Astrometrics. The final frontier. For this week's Astrometrics Report, what else can I talk about other than an incredible feat of interplanetary gymnastics, with NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory once again sticking the landing by delivering the Perseverance rover to the surface of Mars. There were a lot of happy faces in Mission Control on February 18th when the all-is-well signals came back from the Red Planet. You may have a sense of deja vu looking at this new rover, since it bears a strong resemblance to its younger sibling, the highly successful Curiosity rover. This is no accident. Perseverance is built on essentially the same chassis. When you have a flexible design that has been proven to work, it makes sense to leverage that technology moving forward. Of course, Perseverance brings a lot of new technologies to bear. NASA's website explains that the mission addresses high-priority science goals for Mars exploration, including key questions about the potential for life on Mars. The mission takes the next step by not only seeking signs of habitable conditions on Mars in the ancient past, but also searching for signs of past microbial life itself. It also provides opportunities to gather knowledge and demonstrate technologies that address the challenges of future human expeditions to Mars. These include testing a method for producing oxygen from the Martian atmosphere, identifying other resources such as subsurface water, improving landing techniques, and characterizing weather, dust, and other potential environmental conditions that could affect future astronauts living and working on Mars. Personally, I'm most excited over the Ingenuity Mars Helicopter, a technology testbed to pave the way for more flexible aerial explorations of our neighboring planet. Building a drone for Mars is not trivial. When the surface pressure is only 1% that of Earth at sea level, you have to crank out a lot more lift than your typical off-the-shelf drone. Everything we learned from Ingenuity's performance will help us design a new generation of flying laboratories that can be sent to Mars and other places in the solar system. But if you just want to watch something cool, another mission first includes actual video documenting the descent and landing. This is the first time we can see the mind-numbing complexity of the landing sequence directly instead of relying on visual effects simulations. Adding the diagnostic cameras did cut into the tightly controlled weight budget for the mission, but it will give engineers lots of insight into how well the technologies are performing, in addition to giving us a great show. Perseverance has already sent back an incredible panorama of its landing site within the Jezero crater, and even recording of what the surface of Mars sounds like. Scientists think that around 3.5 billion years ago, Jezero crater was actually a lake before Mars lost most of its atmosphere and surface water. This was identified as an ideal place to look for any hints that Mars could have harbored life early in its history. There won't be any quick answers here, but the instruments on Perseverance are well suited to study the geological clues in this exciting new locale. Make sure to keep an eye on NASA's website in the coming months to see what Perseverance learns. That wraps it up for this week's Astrometrics Report. Let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. 
Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week, our first community question was, where do you think Captain Archer might make an appearance? Picard, Strange New Worlds, or something new? And if so, what kind of story do you hope they tell about him? On Twitter, Ken from Chicago says, if only for President Archer to confirm that Trip survived due to an emergency beam-out and lived happily ever after with T'Pol. From Facebook, Mark Jenkins wrote, I think he'll show up in Strange New Worlds, probably as an admiral or maybe retired. Would be good to see him. Would be nice to see Robert April at some point. And we heard from Christopher Settle on Facebook and Greywolf SCV on Instagram. They both replied, hopefully Archer shows up as Federation president in Strange New Worlds. On Facebook, Apostolos says, I'd love to see Archer as a Federation president in Strange New Worlds. I'd also love to see a story thread of him as the mysterious figure from the Temporal Wars. Perhaps this Temporal Wars thread could start in Strange New Worlds and continue to be weaved into Picard and maybe Discovery. More from Facebook. Daniel Gertler responded, Give us a miniseries of the creation of the Federation and maybe retcon that awful Enterprise finale in the process. Joseph Jones on Facebook says, I wish they'd make a season five of Enterprise. And you know what? I agree. And Anthony LaSalle wrote, Archer's dead from old age by 2240. Won't see him in Strange New Worlds. Oh, Anthony, you can't rely on those kind of things. Let's, we're about to go into After Hours to talk about the final episode of the animated series where they go to warp 30-something, and nobody turns into a salamander. Not a one. Not a salamander to be found. Anyway. Not a salamander to be found. So you can't you can't hold those things to... They were going backwards, though. Maybe that had something to do with it. Uh, maybe. I would also like to point out that in, the, in Star Trek 2009, uh, it's implied that Admiral Archer is still alive in the Kelvin timeline in 2258. And Strange New Worlds will likely be set in 2256. So it's not impossible that he would be alive. I like what Teacher Guy says. He goes, Scotty made it work right. It is the artists, not just the medium. <laughs> well done, Teacher Guy. Well, yes, that's true. It, was, it really was Scotty that prevented everybody from becoming salamanders. That's good. Our second community question last week was, are you getting the 2021 Legendary Ship Bundle now that all the ships have been revealed and all the updates have been made? Nope. I'm not. From Facebook, Ian Dixon says, No, there's a lot of filler in this one, and the ships are virtually the same as the Sea Store versions. Now, if they made a legendary ambassador as a science ship with a secondary deflector, commander science seat, and a 3-3 weapon slots, I would have bought it in a second. Keith, Jason, Bill, all on Facebook, and Grey Wolf also on Instagram, say that the bundle was too much for too little, or they were only interested in one or two items in the bundle. Our third and final community question from last week was, will you be using a cloaked torpedo build on your Tamur Raider? If not, what kind of build will you use? From Facebook, Christopher Settle writes it and says, definitely turning the Raider into a torp boat. And finally from Facebook, Jose did a full build tutorial using Jat Vash and other disruptor boosters. Well, that wraps up episode 498 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. And here's a reminder of our community questions for this week. If there was a feature film reboot of The Next Generation, 
Who would you cast as Data? And also, what bridge officer traits do you rely on for your builds in Star Trek Online? Captains, it's important that you get your voice heard and that you participate in our conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at priorityonepodcast.com, on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priorityonepodcast, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at priorityonepod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Cat, Thomas, Gray, and me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcast live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there is something for all Stowe players, whether you are new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Captains, during these difficult times, we are humbled by the continued support of our patrons who find value in the content we produce each and every week. Just visit us over at patreon.com forward slash priority one and consider becoming a patron because we have awesome 500th episode patches that we're going to get made and I'm going to send them out to our patrons. (laughs) They're pretty good looking. They're pretty good looking. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at GuardFrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard takes you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to Heroes Rise podcast.com to discover their secrets thanks to our audio editors including gray brandon william daniel rand roscoe lennon and skiffy thanks to our producer jake and associate producers shane and thomas together they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the star trek multiverse thanks to our social media manager and emergency host hologram anthony thanks to our graphic artist henry with support from jason of the priority one armada Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Engage. Engage. wasn't done but okay there was a long awkward pause there so i decided i'd fill it in with just anything i've been drinking soda i may have had to to move away from the microphone (laughs) to release some to release a gaseous anomaly and so it was an awkward pause in more ways than one so so there's there's some definite awkwardness i was being polite and (laughs) instead of (laughs) (laughs) 
This is why I show up every you're right. Tuesday. You're right. Next this time, I'll just right burp here. directly into the microphone. Okay? This is why I show up every Tuesday. I'll burp, I'll burp this, directly this into the microphone like, next time. It, it was like you were doing an interpretive dance on burping. It <laughs> was froze. unbelievable. It was. It was. Oh, my God. <laughs> Fan fiction, a memoir inspired by true Mem events. Memnoir. Memnoir. That's what Mem I said. Memnoir. Memnoir. Is it? I Bloopers, I said let's roll that back. Let's roll All that right. back. I need to zoom into this. My eyes are old. <laughs> if only you had an android body. Now an exile gets knocked down, and then he gets up again, once per 90 seconds. So they'll never keep him down. That might not sound useful to you. Hmm? I want you to... I just I want you to try to call upon your inner Chumbawamba <laughs> when you read that. Okay, so so we need That's to use we need joke. to use the phrase stream leak more often, and also inner Chumbawamba. Yes, these are these are two things that need to be part of our to, vernacular. Yes, call call into your call into your inner <laughs> Chumbawamba. Okay. Well, that leads us to our first community question this week. Actually, Anthony, why don't you try to deliver this without bodily functions? This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.